And we're back. About damn time. Really? Seriously? Yeah, I think the drugs are kicking in. It's probably good because I'm topless. That's what all podcasts need. God, we are. Bad Philosophy, episode 95, recorded on August 8th, 2011. Con Artists. Hello, everyone. And one, two, bad philosophy, upsetting the balance of reality, one rabbit trail and video game at a time. Uh, welcome back, everyone. We're back for uh, episode ninety-five, and uh, we actually have a brand new guest on the show. A little bit of a trend here recently, and we have someone who I think has only been on once before, um, and someone who's on pretty much every one of them. So, uh, yeah, good, good little mix here. Um, first up, welcome back to the show, Britton Peel. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. It's been a while. Yeah, I think so. The last time we had you on was the uh, the Lost episode last year, right? And I, I still miss it every day. <laughs> so what what have you been up to in the uh, in the intervening uh, twelve months here, man? Uh, man, uh, watching Lost over and over again. Uh, actually, I've, <laughs> still I've, trying I've to been figure it doing out. a lot more. <laughs> no, I, th- I think I've got it. You know, me and Damon Lindelof have had a nice chat. I think I've got. Everything worked out pretty well. Okay, uh, so, yeah. you know, that was the first six months. Uh, <laughs> the next six months, uh, I've been freelancing a lot. I've been uh, doing a little bit of work for Games Radar, GameSpot, and you know, j- just trying to get a writing career off the ground, basically. Awesome. So, uh, and then also we've got a, another uh, a fellow writer, also uh, DT alum, uh, Daily Toreador. For those of y'all who don't uh, or haven't listened to the early episodes, uh, Timothy Poon, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. I feel like I'm just listening to it being recorded live. I don't even want to talk. <laughs> you should talk, right though. You are, you are a legitimate guest on here, man. So, um, but you, you guys are just like, I just want to keep listening. Like, yeah, go on. <laughs> this is good. Hey, you can you know, talk as much as you want, but you're, you're on this. You, you're part of, the, part of the group here this time. So um, we do a little thing first time you're on Bad Philosophy. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and why uh, anybody should care about you. Uh, well, my name is Tim, and that may be the biggest reason why you should care. <laughs> Good start. Your your um your icon on all of the social media is a um is a pop tart. Um, yes. Why? That absolutely <laughs> that's another reason why you should care. Yeah, that that was really the, the first thing that that was like, man, that's kind of it's kind of odd and quirky. And yeah, what is there a story behind that? Uh, yeah, it's pretty much two reasons. Uh, I think the first one is there's really no, I couldn't find any really good pictures I wanted to use myself because I don't really photograph well. I end up just looking goofy. <laughs> and I think the second part was that particular Pop-Tart is a hot fudge Sunday Pop-Tart. Oh. Which to me is probably the best Pop-Tart available. Wow. That's, that's a travesty against and, children's health. But... Also a delicious thing to exist in the world. But for that point, so are all Pop-Tarts. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they're, really, they're really not. They shouldn't strictly be considered part of this complete breakfast. They're more like <laughs> a dessert that somebody put in a toaster once, and then they were like, hey, <laughs> well, we should sell this to kids for breakfast. <laughs> this is, the hot fudge one just feels right. Like, you look at the <laughs> nutritional facts, it kind of depresses you. You could possibly feel like the diabetes setting in. Oh, yeah. But, Wol- Wolfer Bradley that- would, would kill you for that. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he would make it. His heart would just stop. <laughs> After one bite, he'd just keel 
over. <laughs> but, but there'd be a smile on his face the entire time. <laughs> but you couldn't tell because of the mustache. <laughs> anyway, no, the mustache would be smiling too. <laughs> oh, wow. uh, good times. Uh, so, anyways, you're you're a, a fellow writer as well, right? It, yeah, uh, actually, uh, Britain used to be my editor at the at the Daily Toriador. Nice. So where where do you find where do you uh, hang your hat now? Uh, a little site called Platform Nation. Try, I'm trying to use that to keep my writing regular, and so I can leverage that into other things. I guess. I mean, I'm I'm not nearly as successful as Britain because, I mean, he is a better a better man in almost every respect. Oh. And yeah, I it's also, true, but you shouldn't say that. Like, come on. <laughs> I, I just wanted to make sure everyone knows that. Wow, it's getting a little awkward in here. Um, <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> Kevin, uh, also, you. I, I mean, I shouldn't even... I'm the new guy. You, but yeah, hey, welcome back to the show, Kevin Saunders. Um, finally, almost really totally moved into Austin, kind Less of. Less than 24 hours. <laughs> um, will, I, will I be in Austin for an extended period of time? I think uh, you've had like the longest moving process of, of anyone in, in recent memory. Um, like, it started about a month I started ago, over a month ago, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, June 30th was when I began really the moving process. That's when the boxes showed up and we started packing everything into them to be shipped to Austin. Mm -hmm. And here it is, August 8th, and my boxes will finally arrive on the 11th here in a few days. So that's over a month, closer to six weeks um, in my total move. And and the majority of that time, I've been living out of a suitcase and sleeping on an airbed. (laughs) Well, I'll I'll definitely be be helping you move the rest of the way in, uh, (laughs) because I just feel sorry for you, man. Nobody should have to spend that long moving. But in the intervening period, it's it's not like you've just been been sitting at home all the time. Uh, you got to go to Comic Con, right? I did. I went to the the San Diego Comic Con. Sweet, the big one. And uh, Britain and Britain and Tim and I have have actually had a, a a little bit of experience with cons recently ourselves. Uh, we just all got back from. Uh, uh, from QuakeCon, or rather, I got back, um, Britton and Tim, I guess y'all both live in Dallas, so uh, <laughs> you, just, you just got to drive home, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I figured, you know, we'll talk a little bit today about uh, kind of what we saw at these conventions and, uh, you know, interesting stuff, and uh, it was all, you know, games and uh, and TV shows and comic books, pretty much. Um, so, like, first off, Kevin, uh, that was your first time going to Comic-Con, right? Yes, and uh, you know, fun, stinky, um, a little bit of both. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually, it's interesting. I've been working today. I spent most of the day working on my official write-up, um, mm. just c- to get everything out on paper. So far, I'm about through Thursday morning um, of the four days of the con, Thursday was, through Sunday. Yeah, wow. <laughs> it was day one. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm let me check my schedule. I actually have the entire Comic-Con schedule here because I use it to map what I did and what I want to write about. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, I've just about – I've gotten to about 4 o'clock on Thursday. So I'm, I'm in to Thursday afternoon mm. um, in, my, in my write-up um, just trying to, trying to go through and what I want to pick out, what I want to talk about, what I want to forget. Um, so in what you've written so far, any, uh, any big highlights or, or stuff that you spend more time on writing about it? Um, nothing so far. Thursday, Thursday, the big thing I learned Thursday was the lines Mm -hmm. and everything you read about Comic-Con talks about the lines and how you stand in lines and it's, you know, you stand in line for all day to get one little thing you really think is cool. And that's entirely true, but you can't, 
I don't think you can comprehend it. I certainly couldn't comprehend just what that meant until I had actually spent two hours in line just to get my badge to get into the con. <laughs> um, wow. That was that was day one. You know, we we got up around six thirty, got to the con around eight because we had trouble getting parked and then um, getting to um, getting to the con. We parked somewhere else and took the trolley over, um, which is the best thing to do. Well, it's not really the best thing to do, but I'll get to that later. <laughs> um, it's the best thing we could do under the circumstances. And got there about eight. The first panel we wanted to see was at about ten. And it was probably 11 before we were even in the con itself. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, so it was one of those. I mean, and, that's, and that entire time was spent standing in line. Um, we got there, and we walked to the end of the, the badge line, which extended out of the building all the way around it, and then down past the two hotels next to the convention center. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and, I mean, it was moving the whole time. I mean, it was steadily moving, but it just got longer and longer as we were standing in it because every single person was there getting their badges. Um, and during that time, of course, the badges for the next year sold out. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I, the, what they did is they, instead of selling them all on one day like they've done in the past, they broke it up. They sold four, a fourth of, however, they, they set aside, so we're going to say this many, we're going to say sell so many at the con, we're going to sell the rest online. And they broke the ones they were selling up into the con into four chunks to be sold every day. And every single day, those were sold out by about 8.45. They started selling them at 8. Oh, man. So you had to get in line by about 5 a.m. to be sure of getting your badge for the next year. Oh, my God. So if I wanted to go to Comic-Con next year, I can't. It's basically, it's already sold out for next year. No, no, they're still selling online. They, they always oh. have a bunch of badges they sell online, just like they always do. And those will still go on a sale. They'll be impossible to get just like they were this year, mm -hmm. but they will be there. Now, one thing I, I'm thinking about doing, and I haven't looked into it much, but I'm considering trying to get press info oh. uh, for you and me, Stephen, mm. and we walk in with a camera and a microphone. Now, we don't get any special privileges because the press are treated just the same as everybody else. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> uh, well, no, it is. It, it's true. Um, but you have a different way you get your badges and you're slightly more likely to get badges mm. as a member of the press okay yeah I'm, uh, I'm down with that i mean it's a possibility I'm not, as progressive I'm not as comic-con is they, they might actually recognize a podcast as as press i mean i saw so. <laughs> i saw random guys with cameras and microphones who were press i mean there's yeah. there's a lot of stuff that can get that can be officialized as press and it's worth a shot. That being said, I haven't decided if I'm going back yet. <laughs> so let's compare this to, uh, like, Britain, what was your uh, press badge getting experience at QuakeCon? <laughs> Which, for the uninitiated, is a, is a big uh, land party in Dallas, um, about 2,500-person computer land party in addition to, uh, you know, panels and, uh, and floor events and such. But, uh, yeah, what, what, was, what was your experience getting into to, as a press to cover that? Um, well, you know, you walk in the hill in Anatole and you see the line that snakes around the entire place for the bring-your-own-computer area. Um, I walked upstairs and grabbed breakfast because they weren't handing out the badges yet, and mm -hmm. they were giving us breakfast, and then they gave me a badge. Oh, awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was a lot easier yeah. as a member of the press. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, um, and Tim, did you go as press or just regular? No, I, I, I went as press as well, and uh, I actually missed most of the first day because I had car issues. I was uh, showing up about 5.30 or so, I think it was. So I missed uh, John Carmack's keynote. 
but yeah, I just went upstairs, went to uh, some uh, PR people that are hosting the press registration booth, and I just got my badge, and that was it. I was wow. actually surprised how simple it was. Yeah, the the thing is, um, QuakeCon is is free to to register for, um, and I'm, I'm sure press badges were were free too. Um, but it's you know a lot of people register for it, both both pre-register and at the con itself. Um, in the the bring your own computer area, you can pay uh, a small amount to uh, have a reserved spot, um, which is in retrospect now that I've this is my second year going. It's a, kind of difficult to get a, a large block of seats together in the BYOC after uh, after the first day. Um, so I will probably register spots next year. But um, you can also pay a little bit more to to get kind of priority line uh, in the various events or panels. Um, but you know, that's not many people do that. It's it's more of a free event for for folks who just come in game. Um, I actually got yeah. The- hmm? uh, I was just going to say the QuakeCon done quick lines yeah. at all the panels and stuff were. Pretty short. Yeah, there weren't a lot of so, people who did that. Um, and, and in fact, yeah. in the the line for the BYOC, which kind of backing up a step, uh, so it started also on on a Thursday um, morning, and um, some friends of mine and I decided to just pay for for two rooms in the the Hilton Anatole in Dallas. Um, we there were six of us total who split the the room, uh, which was actually pretty reasonable. It was like eighty dollars total for both nights. Um, we say Thursday night and Friday night. But um, we actually drove up Thursday morning, like woke up at probably 2.30 and uh, started driving from Austin around 3 and uh, arrived in Dallas just a little after 6. Uh, got into the line for the BYOC at, at 6.10 and uh, already at that point there were about 50 people uh, sleeping and sitting in line downstairs uh, for this for getting in, um, but we had our systems there and uh, and we got in and, and managed to get spots um, all together in the in the um, huge huge uh, area where they had all the tables set up with all the you know just miles and miles of network cables <laughs> connecting all the different uh, spots so. It was uh, it, it was a good experience, but man, I was I was tired. I, I definitely slept a little bit after that uh, that initial drive. Um, I don't know how much how much sleeping did you do at at, uh, at Comic Con, Kevin? Uh, I got a fair amount of sleep. Um, I made a point of it because the con. I mean, you could walk the floor for four days, the exhibition for hall for four days, and just kill yourself. Yeah. Um, I mean, the con goes officially from ten to midnight every day. Um, and depending on how much work you do, you can be busy that entire time. Um, That being said, we usually got done around 8 or 9, which meant we got back to our um, place we were staying by 9 or 10. Um, And and we got got to bed not long after that. Um, And then got up at 6 the next morning to do it all again. Mm -hmm. So um, we got... Six to seven hours of sleep every night. Wow. That was what we had to have. (laughs) Otherwise, we would have just crashed. I mean, the first day of the con, we were exhausted by about seven o'clock. Wow. Um, 
and we're, we're debating whether or not to go do the last couple things. And we actually ended up not doing one of the things I wanted to do just because we were too tired. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it was. Um, and so we, we sort of managed ourselves after that. We saw more panels. So we sat down a lot more. We, didn't, we weren't up and walking around, um, which helped extend that. And, you know, five-hour energies get you through the day. Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of caffeine, uh, there, was, there was plenty of representation of caffeine at, uh, well, at QuakeOn. Well, is the sponsor of QuakeOn, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, and actually, um, I'm not sure exactly what the story was, but Balls was not present last year. Um, so, hmm. there, you know, people, people had it, but they had like purchased it online. Um, I think there was some, something that happened to the company here. I'm going to, I'm going to Wikipedia this real quick, but, um, yeah, they, they had a booth there and, uh, and we're actually selling full cases of balls <laughs> from the, the con itself, uh, for like $30 for a 24 pack. Uh, and we're talking, you know, the, uh, larger cans, uh, 16-ounce cans, uh, individual ones. It still ones. seems expensive. Um, well, yeah, I mean, a dollar for, for a 16-ounce can of, of high-concentrated caffeine. <laughs> I don't drink balls, so I, I don't. Each one has no. uh, 103 milligrams of caffeine, each each 16-ounce can. Uh, I, over the course of QuakeCon, which was about two and a half days of, of intense gaming, I drank probably 12 cans. <laughs> um, <laughs> balls, and, wow. and that was that was relatively few for all the people who were there. I mean, we're we're talking people would buy a case for themselves for the duration of the con, um, and I mean, just chug one every every couple hours or so, just be, be constantly drinking it. Um, so it's um, you know, there, there were there were ways of uh, of staying awake throughout the conference, and uh, I, I definitely felt some pretty hefty caffeine withdrawal on uh, Sunday morning because <laughs> I didn't take any home with me. But uh, I don't know. I mean, Britton and uh, and Tim, did y'all partake at all in the uh, in the caffeine uh, consumption ritual? Uh, not especially. I I think over the. Just because I had so much planned for Friday to make up for Thursday mm. and Saturday, I just wasn't even there until noon or something. I think I just subsisted largely on whatever they provided to press, which was mostly uh, Quaker Oats granola bars and Zone bars and <laughs> apple juice. Nice. So, I mean, my diet wasn't all that great for the weekend, but yeah. not much caffeine. Even though I could tell most of the people in the BYOC area – and when you walk by at like lunch and then dinner and then nighttime, about like half the people have their web browsers open at dominoes.com. Yeah. All they're <laughs> slamming down the balls and they're just waiting for their pizza to come. No kidding. Yeah. And you had to actually walk out to the, uh, the hotel lobby to pick them up. Um, yeah. They would not actually deliver pizza into the BYOC. I can't um, say I'm surprised by that. Really? <laughs> well, no, because, I mean, it's a massive event. And as you say, there's tons of people in the BYOC anyway. So wandering around trying to find the one guy who ordered your pizza, not the 17 <laughs> other guys who ordered a pizza. Yeah. I wouldn't. I would make you come down to the lobby too. Thing is, though, the the lines uh, or the individual rows and columns were pretty well labeled. Like you could you could navigate exactly to the row where somebody ordered pizza, yeah. and then. But I'm and a pizza guy them. who's got four other pizzas to to deliver in the next thirty minutes. I'm not wasting my time. Yeah, they should have just had like a dedicated guy taking pizzas to QuakeCon and and uh, delivering them in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it was mostly pizza and and uh, caffeinated energy drinks. I I managed to convince most of my group to buy relatively healthy food. You know, we got. Um, some trail mix, few few bags of trail mix and uh, wheat thins, and um, 
yeah, just a lot of water <laughs> as well. Water's good. Because, um, you know, quite honestly, the facilities were great. There, there's, you know, there were bathrooms at either end of this, this huge convention hall. Um, and, and, you know, water fountains as well. But, you know, you could really stay awake and doing stuff 24 hours a day. Um, I mean, yeah, Comic-Con kind of shuts down around a certain time. Well, no, the, the official con does. That being said, the convention center shuts down. There are yeah. things going on around the convention the entire time. Really? I mean, like even late are, in the morning? <laughs> there are late night movie the- festivals there. Oh, I mean, there are, there are restaurant parties. There's all sorts of stuff going on, if you so desire. Yeah. Now, that being said, I, I was there the entire time, and at no point in time did I feel the need to go out and do anything else because there was just so much to do at the <laughs> con itself. Yeah. Um, I, I, did, I don't know how people managed to find time to go do the everything else because there were generally two or three things I wanted to do in a given hour of the day. <laughs> and I couldn't. I mean, you, you can't do them all. I mean, no, it's, it's no, impossible. It's, yeah. So, well, let's, uh, let's talk about a little bit of, of what we did do at, at the con. So, uh, Britton, you were going primarily to, to cover not just the con itself, but some of the announcements there, right? Right. Uh, yeah, the Dallas Morning News actually paid me to go, so I <laughs> I could not sit in the BYOC and play games all day. I had yeah. to go to panels and make sure I didn't miss anything. So uh, what uh, you saw the um, you actually got to play the next uh, version of, of Elder Scrolls, right? Uh, Skyrim. Uh, I didn't get to play it. Apparently, very few press people actually got that privilege. Okay. Um, and I, I don't know how long of a demo they got or anything else. So I actually had to go to the same presentation that. The general public went to for that, uh, okay. which was packed. So it what? Was a, uh, I think Todd Hollins had said that it was the most full any QuakeCon like individual event has ever been. Wow! <laughs> so what? Uh, what? What? What does it look like? You know, is it is it fairly similar to Oblivion, uh, or uh, is it better? It looks like a better Oblivion. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> the, the the engine is all new. Uh, <laughs> Get, getting a little technical, one thing that impressed me about the demo was that when you talk to people, it doesn't do that crazy zoom in on their face yeah, effect. That it's, always it's, seemed weird to me. I don't know if Tim, Kevin, did y'all ever play Oblivion? Yeah, um, a lot. I yeah. played Morrowind. I never played Oblivion. I'm I'm old school. Same sort of thing they, they do. I think in, Morrowind uh, did that same thing. Though. Yeah, it did. I think it did. Yeah, it's fairly typical. So that's mm-hmm. gone. And, and it looks far more natural to not have that weird camera effect. Okay. So what is it? Is it like a third-person um, yeah, thing I mean, where you do like over-the-shoulder talking to the person or what? No, you just walk up to people and they start talking to you and you can. it's very fluid. You know, it doesn't really stop. Huh. If you want to stop talking, you walk away. Okay. Um, so, it, yeah, it, it seems very dynamic. It just seems rude. That way, and so that seems a lot better <laughs> well i mean yeah, you know it's... rpgs are, are a chance for you to do things that you might not otherwise do in real life <laughs> you can you can be rude Fair to enough. a person in a conversation <laughs> um yeah and so... you, know, you know the way that crowd was they they wouldn't have cared yeah. every time a living creature came on screen they the bloodlust came out like oh really you would believe nerds are weird yeah, they were yeah and and it was tough. i'm one of them it, it but really it's... appreciate <laughs> it it made me really appreciate E3 as a kind of industry only event mm. for <laughs> these kind of presentations and stuff because 
I'm sitting there trying to take notes about the presentation, and the people and Tim was sitting next to me, so he can, you know, share a similar sentiment that the people all around us were just screaming at every little thing, and it was great that they were excited, but it made it really hard to take yeah, we're notes talking like for, to screaming with up enthusiasm or or with criticism or a little bit of both, <laughs> like out of insanity mostly. Really, yeah. <laughs> just, just screaming you know, for I, the I mean, hell of it. <laughs> I mean, uh, like you know, you know, I said that they wanted when he went into when Todd Howard went into town. He was that everyone was shouting, "Kill all the villagers, kill everything!" Oh man! Um, but even like he walks by a stream, and it's, for whatever I don't even know why, as the crowd started shouting, "Water, water!" Like they just, what? just wanted him to get in the water for a minute. Like, uh, okay, I, I don't know why. I figured somebody <laughs> would just be like, "Kissing it." <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it's yeah, not it the most um, civil crowd, uh, and and I don't know. I, I guess you got a little bit of chance to experience this, uh, Britton and Tim. But uh, in the BYOC, at I mean, any given moment, um, you you will just hear like every five ten minutes or so, someone will whoop. They'll they'll just like you'll hear somewhere off in the distance, someone will go whoop, <laughs> and and yeah. then all of a sudden you'll like a few seconds later. The first time it happened. Yeah, like, you know, somebody else will be like, whoop, and then all of a sudden, like, 10 people will do it, and then 20 people, and then somebody will will yell out, uh, yeah, yeah, and then somebody from the other side of the room will yell, okay. <laughs> there are just these, these things that happen uh, organically during the con that just can only happen in, in the, with the mindset and the type of people that go there. Um, but yeah, just, uh, I heard the I heard the whooping the first time, and I was just so bewildered. I was trying to relate it to something that was happening. It's, like it's just maybe... so bizarre. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, it, you'll hear you'll hear the whooping happen, and then you'll hear the little the little yeah, okay, and then somebody inevitably, like every time, will shout, "Shut the fuck up!" Like, <laughs> and then somebody it's will part yell, of the ritual. Then, yeah, then like it's just it's a ritual that just repeats itself over and over and over again. Um, and it's always fun to be like the the germinator for for one of like the whooping uh, sessions. Like when we when we were walking back from uh, from Master Pancake Theater on Friday night, which by the way was amazing. Um, they riffed on Twilight, which was just uh, a hoot the whole time. My, my stomach hurt so much after that, that <laughs> movie. Um, but we were walking back into the BYOC because it was a huge crowd coming back from the movie. And uh, about six of us just like like said, all right, let's do let's do a whoop. You know, three, two, one, we did it. And uh, and it just started off this big whooping, uh, I don't know, storm, I guess you could call it. Uh, with, you know, and if it's, you know it's a really successful one when you get everybody clapping too. So that, that happened as well. And it's like, oh man, we started that. It's just this feeling of, of like community and power and belonging and I don't know. It's it's fun. It's inspiring. <laughs> but yeah, it Nerds doesn't it doesn't make for the best um for the best um you know environment to reveal a game, I, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so other than uh, other than Skyrim, uh you saw Un- uh, Dishonored, right? Yeah. And uh Tim and I had separate demos of that so I think we saw different things. Um, it was the same scenario, but they uh, dishonor a game where they try to give you a lot of choices how you want to deal with this situation you're given. So I think we got slightly different experiences there. Hmm. So so it's like uh, I've heard it compared to it's like Thief 
plus Half-Life 2 plus something else. I, I forget. Bioshock, it's plus, plus Deus Ex. Deus yeah. Ex plus Bioshock. Yeah. Deus Ex plus Bioshock. Um, okay. Okay, yeah, it's if you took Bioshock, Deus Ex, Thief, and maybe a bit of Half-Life 2, you would get Dishonored. It's basically a they called it a first-person stealth action game, but I think that's kind of a misnomer because you don't have to be stealthy if you don't want to. Ah, so it's very very um, freeform. Yeah, very much so. It's um you know it it looks a bit like if you've seen any videos for BioShock Infinite, um when you first start up the game, it looks a little bit like that, hmm. just in the style. Um, but you're you're given, you're basically you're a supernatural assassin who has been framed for the murder of the Empress. So uh, I think they weren't talking too much about the story, but it's it sounds like you're basically going to be going around trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, you're in a city that's been ravaged by a plague that's killed half the population. Oh, so dang. things are kind of grim <laughs> from the very beginning. The art that I've seen is very grim. It's very like City 17 almost. Uh, and it's because yeah. the, the, the same uh, creative director or creative like lead yeah, I think, is on I this as on Half-Life 2, right? Yeah, I think his name is uh, Victor uh, Antonoff. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he so he helped create this whole world, which they said is like about 16th century London, but is not. But 16th with modern century London. technology and like supernatural stuff yeah, going on. Yeah, yeah, kind of like retro futuristic. Victorian. It, it's a very cool look. <laughs> All those buzzwords. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that there, someone in uh, the demo I had uh, mentioned said like, "Oh, are you going for a steampunk look?" And the two co-creative directors kind of looked at each other and said, "No, no, we're we don't want steampunk. We don't want to call it steampunk." But <laughs> yeah, that's just uh, with the label. That doesn't mean it won't be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but it, but it looks very cool. Um, it doesn't look it, it like traditional emotion. steampunk. It's it's more. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely got its own feel for sure. Yeah, yeah. It, it's um, well, as much as the gameplay reminded me of Bioshock in places, uh, the world seems very unique. Seems very fresh. Okay. Um, and I'm interested in seeing more of that. Um, they weren't talking too much about story, but you, you do have a lot of different powers at your disposal. Uh, whether you want to say, you, maybe you want to invest in teleportation powers so that you can get around more stealthily and not have to get into combat. Or maybe you want to invest in powers that will just let you blow city guards away and you can walk in and out of issues without a scratch hmm. what, what did so you think it, of it overall tim i thought it i thought it looked exceptionally fun i mean granted yeah they hadn't released a lot of info but as soon as i sat down i was like this looks pretty interesting because okay. it is like it does combine the aspects of retro and modern and steampunk style but the retro is not as retro as probably it should be to qualify as steampunk okay <laughs> but it has some of the cartoonish qualities that you kind of, that kind of pop out to me when i see bioshock infinite sort of things like really bright colors lots of uh, contrast and lighting hmm so and, what what did they show y'all was it just a trailer or was it actual gameplay uh, it was gameplay they had uh, someone in the back of the room playing huh. um it started out in a it was in a, kind of like a docks area and uh he was, was heading go ahead. No, go ahead i'm sorry I've... 
Um, I really had nothing to say. <laughs> that shouldn't stop you on this show, actually. <laughs> Never stops me. Yeah. So, um, it, the the player was heading towards a the house of a corrupt lawyer, I believe it was, um, to kill him because he was his assassination target. And uh, it'd, it'd probably be good to hear from Tim exactly what happened in his playthrough because in mine, uh, he, there was a lot of stealth involved and there was a lot of manipulation of rats, you know, because there's been a huge plague in the city. Rats are very... Um, they're everywhere and they will eat people alive is, is kind of the <laughs> Dang, what happens. kind of gross. In fact, at one point, uh, that happened in both of our demos. Um, you are in an alley and there's a group of thugs that are doing some not very gentlemanly things to a young girl, hmm. let's say. And so during our demo, I, I believe they said that you could ignore that if you wanted to. But uh, whoever was running our demo stopped it. You know, he killed the thugs, and the girl ran off, only to be eaten by rats. No, so, <laughs> um, but 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 in our, the demo I saw, the player was able to summon rats at certain points to attack guards or to possess a rat in order to sneak into a building. Um, but I know that at one point that they said that they had tried very hard to get a predictable path since they were showing it more than once. Um, that they wanted to show it kind of the same thing, but at one point uh, they tried to do a stealth kill on a guard and immediately botched it. Like you could kind of hear the guy <laughs> playing, you know, get stressed out because he knew like this was not going as planned. Uh... So I, I think the end of my demo was a little more action oriented than they wanted. Um, so yeah, Tim may have seen some different things, some different powers than I did. Did you? Um, did... But yeah, it, it seems very it's, it really seems like you can play it in a lot of different ways tim did, I mean, did you see something dramatically different yeah as far as i could tell our only similarities were our objective and the fact that we saw that girl get eaten by rats huh i mean britain said his demo was heavily was used a lot of rat summoning and it's all i got was they said here you can summon rats they summoned them and then they went away, and they went on with the demo. Hmm. And, and in fact, our, I think mine was more stealth-oriented because he kind of, they, they kind of, at some point, you're supposed to acquire a key from a guard to get into the room where the lawyer was. And they were very big on explaining how dynamic the, the guard AI was, where you couldn't just find a predictable pattern and get in there. You'd have to think on your feet, hide in the shadows, and that sort of stuff. And at some point, um, they used one of the, the supernatural powers, which is called Wind Blast. And they wanted to blast off one of the guards off of a balcony. But at that moment, the guard with the key stepped in, and they blew him off, too. <laughs> so there went the key. Oops. And you, yeah, you could actually hear both of them go, oh... Just in a very solemn way, go like, oh, yeah. Like, oh. Yeah, this is not great. So uh, they had they had to find a different way into the lawyer's office. See, that's great. Like, I, in that situation, I'd be like, oh, man, all right, well, now I have yeah. to think. You know, it's not just like, oh, well, I go back to my last save game and try that again, you know? <laughs> that, I think that was what reminded me most of, of Thief. Yeah. I only played the, what was it, Dark Project was mm-hmm. the... Yeah, that was the one I played the most, and that's what it reminded me of. 
because uh, they they did. There's a bit of uh, what they called was parkouring, but as far <laughs> as I could tell, you were just pressing a button when you were prompted, and you get up on ledges. Uh-huh. But we actually spent a fair bit of, amount of time up on the rooftops, trying to get around guards and down to the office. And when we got there, he used a time freeze power, and he froze time, dropped down, and he. I don't know if he used a specific power for this, or he just you're just able to do this. But he placed like a crossbow bolt in front of each person in the office. It was like four people or something, and then unfroze time, and it pretty much just pinned them to the wall. And, <laughs> and then that was that was kind of where I guess that deviation ended because my demo ended then at the docks where they're fighting uh, City Seventeen Walker type enemies. I think uh, they call them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tall I think they're guys. called uh, old uh, tall boys. I think yeah, is what the official name is. Hmm. Yeah, I think so. And that's that was really Half Life ish. Yeah, Just, well, the the vehicles. Uh, there's one screenshot where there's a uh, a vehicle, and it looks so much like the the City Seventeen vehicles, like the the Combine vehicles. Um, yeah. So they're, they're Let's find what those are for the non nerds. Um, it's very very angular, like gray metal, like um, yeah. I mean. Um, Kind of Mad Max-ish, you know, but but more, you know, more well put together. Kind of like, uh, you know, armored personnel carrier type vehicles, but, you know, very large wheels, big gray panels, you know, no no windows really, just kind of slits. That's that's kind of the uh, the Half-Life 2 style, very much so. A lot of grays, you know. Um, we'll, we'll definitely put some links in the show notes, too. Uh, there, I think uh, it was a Game Informer, uh, had, a, had a huge write-up on uh, Dishonored. Yeah, that, they were the only members of the press to see it before we did, Okay, essentially. Gotcha. So, yeah, they have a big write-up. I did a write-up on my blog earlier today. Um, so there, there's stuff out there now. There's no embargo on the stuff we've seen. So Okay. And Game Informer has all their stuff up on the website, as well as some, some mm-hmm. pretty cool interviews with the, uh, with the designers. Um, yeah. Anyways, so that's, that's Dishonored. I'm excited about it. Um, I, yeah, I may buy um, it. I don't know. It's like it's so hard for me to justify spending... Fifty, sixty dollars on a game these days. Like I really had to to convince myself to buy StarCraft Two. <laughs> I mean, it, it took a lot of, of effort. There's um, a thing called patience, Stephen. That means you don't have to do that. I got Mass Effect Two for fifteen bucks. I got Arkham Asylum for seven. Yeah. I waited a year and a half. Mm-hmm. I'll probably do something like that. I mean, I mean, if, if it's a good enough game, I'll wait for it. You know, if it's, I mean, but it's that, here's that's, a that's year later. Like StarCraft Two was out. A year ago, and it's still fifty dollars. <laughs> well, a lot of games, the, the, the games that drop off on price are, generally speaking, the stuff you can get on Steam, mm-hmm. uh, because Steam is only people that does sales. Stores don't put games on sale anymore because they don't have to. Um, there seems to know. be a little bit of a trend though recently of, of making games free to play and then adding in uh, micropayments. So, yeah, like League of Legends pro- does this. It's very very popular and it's free. Um, Tribes Ascend, which was uh, actually demoed at, at QuakeCon, playable on the on the expo floor for anybody, um, will be free to play as well. Um, so it's you know somehow I think game companies are realizing that there are ways to make money on the games that don't involve directly paying for the content. Um, and no, I like they that. involve directly paying for the content because have you played many free to play games, Stephen? Well, okay, look look at Team Fortress Two <laughs> for instance. Um, you can you can either wait and acquire items uh, as you play the game, 
uh, or you can pay a few bucks and get you know a specific gun or a specific item. Yeah, but uh, Team Fortress Two has been out for how long? Five years? Oh yeah, something like that. But it just so they made all their money already. Uh, yeah, not, they, what happened with that? I'm guessing here <laughs> is they 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 saw a severe drop in sales of the game. They've been implementing this you know spend money to buy stuff thing for the past year or two now. I haven't been spending any money because I'm a cheap jerk, mm-hmm. but. <laughs> Uh, that's but they've been they've been ramping that up over time at least over the past year where you can buy things um, within the game that I've already purchased um, and I think they were doing that you know a is an incentive to get more people to play you know look new things to get but b their games were their their the number of games were dropped people buying it were dropping off but the number of players was not right and so they eventually got to the point. When they said, well, okay, everybody who's got the game is playing it regularly is still going to do it. We need to bring in new people because we're, we're paying for the upkeep on these servers. We're paying for a lot of different things. We're paying for making up new content all the time, and the revenue has stopped. So we go free to play. Everybody who's already paid for the game, we've got their money, and we can get more money from these new things. And everybody else who hasn't paid for the game can play it and pay us through this new revenue stream. I guess the, so. the newer free-to-play games... Have to a be low budget. Have to be low budget initially, because you can't. You takes a lot of money to make a game, and so you have to make all that money back as quickly as possible, or else your investors get mad. So if you start with less money, and I'm not, I'm all in favor of low budget games, um, being creative with very few resources. You can't just fix problems by throwing money at them, but you're going to get a different kind of game through that. You know, I I don't see. And I'll shoot me if I'm wrong, but I don't see the next Morrowind or the next Elder Scrolls game going free to play. No, in fact, I uh, I talked to Marty Stratton from It Software about this very thing um, because you know they sort of almost dipped their toes into free to play stuff with Quake Live, hmm. um, which you know you could play in your browser and then pay for a pro subscription, play more often, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I said, they uh, look this. That that's where the trend is going right now. In fact, it's going too far that direction where I think we're getting very oversaturated with free-to-play games. Um, but do you think it would ever go back to experimenting with that kind of thing? And he said, you know, we make blockbusters. Like, us. yes, there's a segment of the market right now that is focused on other things, but we make very big uh, games that, you know, they take a long time to develop, take a lot of resources to develop, um, and then they're going to come out for $60 because that's, that's what our market wants. That's what the hardcore gaming audience wants. Mm-hmm. So, no, I, I, I do not think the next Elder Scrolls or anything will go th- with the free-to-play model because I think um, it, even uh, iPhone apps, you know, so many things are free or a dollar. Um, but I, I, I think as things start to change, as people start realizing that if you have an Angry Birds on your hands, you can maybe charge <laughs> more than a dollar. Yeah. And that everything else is, isn't going to sell all that well anyway. You know, I, I think that this era we're in may not last all that long. But well, I could be wrong. I don't know. I mean, you know, you say about production value, Kevin. I, I feel like, you know, a lot of the initially free-to-play stuff out there is pretty darn good. I mean, Tribes looked great. I, it's, I think it's Tribes been, played great, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a great-looking game. But how much, how much better did it I mean, look than the last Tribes? Oh, uh, a ton better. <laughs> okay, I don't keep up with Tribes. <laughs> yeah, but. the last Tribes game was out, what, like, 
10 years ago? <laughs> Tribes, no, it's been more recent than that. Tribes 3, right? I think 2004? Yeah, okay, maybe. maybe it wasn't that. It felt like, I mean, several years, yeah. Uh, it's yeah, it's no, been a while. But, but 04. <laughs> Vengeance was in 04. Tribes enough, Vengeance, but. yeah. But, I mean, the tribes that everybody played was about good 10 years tribes. ago, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was probably about a decade ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see where, where things go with that. Um, I don't know. I, I I will probably buy Dishonored at some point, but I can't, you know, I can't be certain about that. I, yeah, I bought, I bought Portal 2, and that was... You know, consumable experience didn't have a lot of replay value, but it was only like 30, 40 bucks. So. Yeah, I paid 35 for it at Best Buy. Yeah. <laughs> which was which was a good deal. And and yeah. I knew what I was getting into and I enjoyed it. And Steven, you and I still have to finish the co-op campaign. We do. Yeah, I don't I haven't finished the co-op campaign with anybody. So Yeah, we've yeah. we've got like one level left, but <laughs> A uh, little bit of trivia. I'm actually wearing my Portal 2 shirt right now. Um, and I, <laughs> oh, even another little bit of trivia. Um, I was walking back from work today, and I, I'm I'm privileged, I guess, to a certain extent that I I live and work literally right next to the Bioware Studios. Uh, so they're they're based here in Austin at the at the domain. So I will occasionally late at night like uh, walk back past their building and peek in the windows and uh, <laughs> admire all of the. Star Wars stuff that they have everywhere inside of their office space. Um, I mean, literally, I think they have every single Star Wars toy ever created uh, on somebody's desk, and you know, posters and helmets and everything. Uh, but I was, I will occasionally see the people um, who actually work on the game uh, walking around. And uh, today, I was, I was walking back from work, and this this guy was like running to his car or something, and. As he passes me, he looks at my shirt points and says, awesome game. And uh, he's wearing a Bioware <laughs> shirt on, on himself. So I, I turn around and I point at him and I say, awesome company. <laughs> it, was just, it was a good moment because, you know, it's like he's probably, I don't know what he does on there, but, you know, he's making cool shit and uh, I'm probably going to play it at some point. And it's just like, all right. <laughs> you know, we had a little, a little moment of connection. So that was pretty cool. Um, but, you know, I think most of QuakeCon was like that. It was just, you know, the people getting to, to kind of see the people who are making the games, see the new stuff that's going to be coming out and that people are going to be playing. And, uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be neat. But I just, I don't know. I don't feel like there are blockbusters these days the same way that there were blockbuster games in the past. Um, I mean, do you all agree with that or what? It's more expensive to make games now. Um, you know, the, the market is changing. Uh, that's that's kind of why the... 3ds just is getting ready to drop so drastically in prices because the consumers want different things in some ways i don't think it's good for the industry because you you know i i I do see i I went into a uh doctor's appointment not long ago and where i would usually see a couple kids on game boy or ds or something um i saw a couple kids on tablets playing angry birds Mm -hmm. which angry birds is fun it's fine it's a good thing to have on my phone for, you know, like five minute gameplay intervals. But I, if that's what we're pushing as like gaming, it's, it's snack and, food. Occasionally you want a steak. Yeah. You want, you want an LA noir. Right. You right. Know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just all turning too casual. Cause I mean, these kids, it's great that they're getting into games that way, but they, the fact that they stay at the casual level of gaming is yeah, it's really I'm, bad news for where the industry's headed because they're going to start wanting... They're not going to want the games that we want 
and they're eventually they're going to become the dominant market. Yeah, like, that were, I would argue that I'm going to be the are. voice of dissent here. Okay. Um, <laughs> I know, so weird. Wow, for me. so uncharacteristic, Kevin. Yeah, <laughs> but I think the gaming industry will be fine um, because the thing is, the the typical age of a gamer doesn't really matter. Um, the people who are 35 who are buying all the games now are we're buying the same game we're buying games 20 years ago at 15 when that was you know let's see 20 years ago would have been 91 mm-hmm. that was an nes yeah so you're you're i mean those those people grew up with that and if you if you look at the nes games or the second games from that time period i wouldn't call those hardcore games either yeah i mean Mario, Mario is not a hardcore game. It's Tetris not, is not a hardcore game. Content-wise, actually, most, yeah. Like, Mario was actually probably less content overall than Angry Birds. <laughs> Far less. Tetris yeah. is a casual game. Well, Tetris, because there wasn't an, you also an had, like, your necessarily. Well, no, but I'm saying, I'm saying that we don't need to divide the market like this. As long as there are people willing to buy the games, the games will get made. Hmm. Yeah, um, I'm, not, that, I'm, not that, that divi- I'm not saying it should be divided either, but I mean, it's not... I don't think the companies will necessarily see it that way. Eventually, they may see that the profit is only coming from the casuals, and then they may just say, well, we'll only release one hardcore game like once every three years. And we'll okay, I, I have to ask the, the question. How do you determine those? What's a hardcore? What's a casual? Don't give me examples. Give me definitions. I'm, I'm curious because I'm, I'm not a gamer. I play games, but I don't consider myself a gamer, so I'm really interested in, in the distinction we're making here. I don't know. I would consider it like kind of a cost scale, right? Like, uh, you know, the, uh, I mean, Bioshock, for instance, a Rage, a Brink, etc. They're going to be, they're going to cost more. You know, Portal Two. Does Brink well, cost I, anything? I, I don't I think, think Brink they... costs anything actually. No, or was it just free <laughs> over Quake? <huh? laughs> but you know, something that that costs more. Like, all right, a forty or fifty dollar game versus a two or three or four dollar game. I think casual games are cheaper, but that's more just because the the market wants. I think a casual game would be more. You have to devote less to it. It's, um, you, you know, it, it's something you can jump in and play a couple quick matches, and you don't have to invest time or, you know, it's not something you would sit down and say, "I'm going to play this game for uh, three hours or more." So, to, is Street Fighter a casual game? Um, it, yeah. it, it can be played casually, but when you get, you know, really into Street Fighter. Those people don't just sit down and play for a couple matches at a time. Yeah. Um, I don't people just sit down and play Peggle for hours on end. See, I don't know if, if something like, um, you know, Grand Theft Auto can be played casually. I don't think, like, a sure blizzard. can. I've done it. You get yeah. in, you go blow up stuff for three hours with cheat codes, or for 20 minutes with cheat codes, mm. and you walk out. Well, what about, uh, but what, what about, like, a Skyrim or Oblivion? Yeah. You know how how do you play that? Final category? Fantasy. You know, you have to, I mean, yeah, you can go in for a little bit at a time, but, you know, the, the that, true, that, the immersion yeah. happens when you spend hours in the game, you know. And, I'm, I mean, I'm trying to show you that there's not this binary you're trying to get to. Mm. That I, I think, I think this is, I think you can play, ca- you can play games casually, you can play them hardcore for lack of a better term, but I, I think that that dichotomy is a problem because you, because it divides people because it divides things into different groups that it doesn't that need I, to be. Um, and and uh, going back to the interview I had with Marty Stratton, he said kind of the same thing because I asked um, you know since I was with the Dallas Morning News, I uh, most of the people reading that publication are not hardcore gamers. <laughs> yeah. so, I, so I asked like you know it, 
is this an event just for people who who are going to sit up here till four in the morning playing Quake, or do you want to get more casual gamers, casual game makers here? And he said, look, all of us, even hardcore game players, uh, are casual gamers to some extent, because if we have an iPhone and we're sitting in line for five minutes, want something to do, we might pull up and I, our iPhone and play Angry Birds or Peggle or something, you know, just for a little bit. Um, and so he actually wants to bring more smaller developers into QuakeCon in the future. You know, he, he mentioned like Xbox Live Arcade titles and stuff like that. So, mm. yeah, I, I, I do think that the, you know, it doesn't have to be an either or proposition. Um, I, I do just worry a little bit about the, I guess, the value. Uh, yeah, like, I, I mean, there's, there's, there's an emotional bond you can make with a game like L.A. Noir. You know, you can, you can get behind the characters. You can, you can, it's, it's more of an entertainment, a deeper entertainment experience. Um, but it's, it's a different experience, I guess. I, I, you know, speaking of, of, of in terms of, uh, you know, casual or engagement or, you know, deeper, longer, it's, it's all, I mean, it's all just different things. And, and probably each person is going to have different preferences. Like I've never really had the patience to get into an RPG <laughs> uh, or an MMO for that matter. Um, some people do. Uh, I, you know, the most I will get invested in the game is, is, you know, to play maybe several hours a week, but I will not play, you know, dozens of hours a week. I, I just, I can't, I can't get into that, that level. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, someone may play a casual game dozens of hours a week, even though it's, it's not, it doesn't have the, the breadth of, of content uh, that something like a, a, you know, a Final Fantasy VII would have. It's just something that they find engaging frequently. Yeah, there are probably people playing Farmville dozens of hours <laughs> a week. If, I'll make like, a confession. It, it, I've played through the campaign on Plants vs. Zombies at least half a dozen times. Okay. I've, I've gone through it twice, I, mean, I think. It's, something I, it's on my phone. I can pick it up. I can play a level you know, when I'm killing 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, I'll start it over and go through it again and run through it again, and it's, it's, it's something I can do in my spare time. Yeah. Um, I, I want to make a comparison that's a bit of a, uh, I think a bit of a cardinal sin in the gaming world. Oh, boy. But I want to compare the game industry to the movie industry. Oh, damn. See, I know. Um, <laughs> I'm more familiar with movies, though, so I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to put this into words I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you talk about these engaging games, and I think you're, this is the point you were kind of trying to make, Stephen. You know, there's engaging games. There's games that suck you in, that you get behind the characters. And I think of those as, as a movie like Inception. You know, mm. it's a movie you can't just sit back and, and fall asleep to. It's a movie you have to pay attention to. You have to actively engage in to get anything out of. And then you contrast that with a movie like Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> You can turn on Dumb and Dumber at any point in time in the film and know exactly what's going on, and it doesn't matter. And that's okay. And, you know, those are the movies you put on in the background when you're, you know, working on something else, when you're making dinner, when you want to sit down and turn your brain off for a while. Both of those movies, and, and, and there's a whole bigger range in addition to that, can become successful and can, become, can find an audience and can do well because people want them. Mm-hmm. And so as long as I, I think as long as there are people who want to play, you know, your, your Elder Scrolls games um, or this other one you were talking about that sounded a little schizophrenic to me. Skyrim, yeah. No, no, not Skyrim. Yeah. The, the stealth action oh, uh, yeah. shooter. Oh, Dishonored. Yeah. yeah. Sounds a little weird to me, but <laughs> who knows? It could be fun. Um, 
you know, there, as long as there are people who want to play those, and those people aren't going away. They're getting older, but that just means they're getting better jobs and having more money to pay for the games. Yeah, I, I've noticed. I agree, like, and, and I... Go for go it, ahead. go for it, Britton. Okay, well, I, I was actually going to say, like, I think comparing the game industry to the movie industry is actually a good thing. Um, okay. I, I, I like that comparison. Um, and, and I agree, like, it, or if you want to use a TV metaphor, you know, you're going to have something like Lost or Dexter, and then you're going to have Two and a Half Men. Yeah. yeah it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's all TV, but it's very different audiences. Mm-hmm. Yes. The problem that the game industry has right now is that, um, so, you know, if, if a movie ticket to Inception was $12 and a movie ticket to uh, Twilight was $2, but it's it's kind of like more people would say, well, I could see Twilight and this other crappy movie and this other crappy movie for just six dollars. That's half the price of what I'd pay to see Inception. Yeah. So it's better value. Right. So why and should I pay more? That's kind of what people. Yeah. yeah well, but I look at so the home video. Home video is if I'm going to counter. Um, you know, people buy DVDs the day they come out. I got to have this movie. I got to own it immediately. I get same thing with TV shows. You know, I got to buy this DVD immediately. Other people say, you know, I don't want to see that in the theater. I'm not going to pay 12 bucks for that. I'll wait till it comes onto Netflix or streaming, or there are those who are even less scrupulous who just find a place to download it as soon as they can mm-hmm. because they don't want to pay for it. So, I mean, those, those price flexibility, I think, still exists. It's a little bigger in the gaming industry. I'll agree with you there. But I think that sort of flexibility does still exist. Yeah, yeah. It definitely does exist, but it's... It- my concern is these kids are being raised on that sort of cost proposition because all they're brought up knowing that they can just get as much as like mindless entertainment as they want for one dollar and they'll last them a month. But they'll never like be willing to experience a sixty dollar game. Sure or they will. An, or or an inception unless like they f- really feel the need to try it out because they know they can spend like ten dollars and get ten games and then they can just blow who knows how many how many hours on those games and unless like their friends finally take the plunge and get an LOA Noir yeah. for sixty and they feel like they need to stay relevant as well with their friends. I was gonna say all all the more reason for us uh, connoisseurs, right, to to impart our uh, our, our taste to the Well to that's the next just what we're doing though. <laughs> I mean that's what the internet does. Yeah. You know, you have game review sites, you have message boards where one person pays the money or or in the case of reviews they're often, you know, given the games. Um, and plays through it and says, yeah, this is worth a six, this is a game that is absolutely worth $60. Mm. Um, and, and kids these days, if we're going to get into old man Saunders' <laughs> voice, kids these days reading the darn internet, that's where they get a ton of their information from. Yeah, they get these cheap games from the internet too, but they get information. They, they you know, find these things. Um, rather than being a stopping point, Casual gaming, I'm struggling with that word still, but, you know, mm. casual gaming could, in fact, be the gateway drug <laughs> to yeah, other that's, games. That's why, I really, I'm, that's why I really want to be, because I'm not saying, like, a whole bunch of people with angry birds and cut the rope. That's definitely not a bad thing. I think those are great games. It's just that I'm, like, this is still a burgeoning sort of effect. I don't know what it's actually going to be. Mm. It's just one concern that I have that it may come to fruition. I'm not sure. And that's right. definitely what Nintendo said they wanted when they launched the Wii was they mm-hmm. said, hey, we want people to start playing Wii Sports and then start playing Mario and then go from there. And yeah, that, I think that very well could happen. And I think worst, absolute worst case, I think you'll just see more of the 
long, kind of epic, hardcore games that we like be pushed more and more to the indie market. Because hmm. um, you, you, you already see a couple genres that are there. Um, kind of like the, the roguelike uh, is not something you really see on consoles anymore, where you're just dropped into a randomized dungeon and try to survive for as long as possible in an RPG. Oh. <laughs> you, you, you don't see those made for consoles or, you know, boxed retail games anymore but there's there was a couple i think released on steam recently that have been very successful Mm -hmm. yeah so and that's cool i mean the 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 fact that an indie market it has such a support like that is just so inspiring and and the fact that they can make uh so much money to to support themselves by just a really hardcore audience um that's cool that's cool Mm -hmm. um i you know we we've kind of gone around in, in a few circles on this but definitely covered uh, you know, a lot of interesting stuff, some good opinions here. Um, kind of coming to the end of our, our uh, show time here, so let's start wrapping things up. Uh, you know, Kevin, just if you could pick out like one moment or one sequence of your, your experience at, uh, at Comic-Con uh, to share with us, what, what would it be? Um, and this is one that I'm, I'm probably going to end up writing about, but I'll give you a little bit of a uh, heads up. And that would be the Klingon play. There is there are a group of fans who every year come to Comic Con. They have they have time on the schedule, where they put on a play dressed up as Klingons, as as the crew of the IKS Stranglehold. Um, that it, the the premise, such as it is, is what if um, you know instead of Star Trek being about you know this the Enterprise, it was about this other ship that um, was manned by Klingons. Mm. Um, and the reason it's memorable was because, and, you know, long-time listeners know I now have a master's degree in theater, but uh, it was possibly, and I wanted it so so much not to be this, but it was possibly the one of the worst pieces of theater I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, oh, everything about it was bad, with the exception of the costumes. Uh-huh. Very good costumes. And I saw him walking around ahead of time, and I said, this might be good. You know, they've got high-quality costumes. They put a lot of time into it. And then it started, mm-hmm. and then it went downhill and downhill, and everything about it was absolutely terrible. Um, but... Yeah. There were a lot of good things about the con as well, but it was one of those things that I was I was very sad at how it ended up. Okay. I love how Kevin's giving g- given a spot to talk about one thing. He says, "Let me tell you about the worst thing the I've worst, ever seen." Yeah. <laughs> worst piece of theater ever, but it was memorable. It was memorable. I, did, I asked for a memorable <laughs> moment, and that was that was memorable. So, good or bad, uh, Britain? Like, what was your what was your most memorable moment from QuakeCon? Um, probably moment would probably just be meeting people. I mean, it's, it was, it was my first QuakeCon and it was just such an amazing atmosphere. And I met a lot of great pay- people, both in the gaming industry and out of it. Um, so that, that it, it was, it was really enjoyable for me to see that gaming is thriving here in Texas. Yep. And, uh, Tim, what about you? Um, I think, all right. Uh, I think Britain saw one half of the story, and it involves a girl and a guy. And this girl was dressed like Waldo. Oh, I and, saw her. Yeah. And this and this other guy was also dressed like Waldo. <laughs> and apparently, they were not together at QuakeCon. 
And the whole, I remember seeing uh, the girl early on, right when I got there Thursday, and the guy later on Thursday evening. I wondered if they would ever see each other. And as I, and I was, I think it was around, I don't know, 6.30 maybe, I was coming out of the BYOC area, and I see them coming from opposite ends of the expo area. And they start walking towards each other, and I was like, oh, my God, this is going to happen. <laughs> and they get closer and closer, like, yeah, this is definitely going to happen. And they turn the corner around the tribes area, and they lock eyes, and you can see it in, in, on their faces. They're like, what the f- <laughs> <laughs> And they, like, they just couldn't believe that they were not hanging out together. Or hiding together. Who knows what they do just <laughs> all there. Like, it was just like one of the most magical things I'd ever seen. You'll never it w- find it. It was them. pretty funny. Because there's not a ton of cosplay that happens at QuakeCon. No. There's <laughs> some, some things here and there. But to get two Waldos like that was yeah, that was, pretty great. Wow. I saw over a dozen Waldos at Comic-Con. <laughs> yeah. Often I saw them in pairs. Like I saw, like I think they were boyfriend-girlfriend because they were fairly interactively with each other yeah um holding hands like but they were both dressed as waldo and i was like "Eh." and it was kind of fun the first time i'm like hey i found waldo and then i saw more and more and i'm like "Eh, okay i get it (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, um, jaded to waldo a little bit so for me it was uh it was a moment uh when we were so rage uh and and i guess id and uh ventrilla would they paired up to do a uh a drawing throughout the the entire con for a um, a Ford pickup truck, like tricked out, whatever. Um, so everybody got a raffle ticket with their badge at the beginning of the con, and uh, every you know, like twice a day or whatever, they would have um, they would have drawings to kind of narrow down the field of uh, of people who were eligible. Um, but they would ha- you would have to be present at the main stage for the uh, for your if your name was called. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were up there for for one of these, and uh, they were uh, they were calling out names, um, and then uh, like in between the names, they would uh, throw out swag into the audience. So you know, uh, free T-shirts, no, no matter what size or uh, or style they are, are always like a hot commodity when there's a crowd gathered. Um, <laughs> so everybody was like uh, crowding up against the stage and like throwing their hands in the air, screaming, you know, all right, this this side of the room dance, and then this side of the room, you know, jump up and down. And like the guy up on the stage is having a huge power trip um and then so some guy gets up on and i mean we're talking probably a 16 or 17 year old kid gets up on the shoulders of somebody else maybe it was his dad i don't know some big guy and uh and they're, they're kind of toward the back so the guy up on stage is he like points back and like oh look there's a dude on somebody's shoulders and he throws a t-shirt at them and the kid the kid literally, like, he, it was as if somebody threw a baseball straight at his head. Like, he, he, kind of, he kind of put his hands up and cowered down. And the t-shirt <laughs> literally, like, struck him in the head. And then he subsequently fell off the guy's shoulders <laughs> While still That's cowering with his hands in front of his head. Like, it was just the most, I mean... I we all busted up <laughs> laughing, of course, but it was just like if you could summarize the type of people that were at this convention in one moment, it would be that. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> look at me, I'm a badass. Oh, <laughs> like, it's <was> scary. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was uh, that was definitely the highlight of my time there. As as good as Master Pancake was, like. That was that was completely unscripted hilarity. <laughs> I'm just I'm just glad I was there to uh, to see that moment happen. 
the balls chugging contest was also pretty good. That would be a close second because um, somebody definitely. Uh, not many people were able to to finish uh, an entire can of balls. Um, those who did uh, definitely probably threw up afterwards. Some of them actually threw up on stage into the trash can afterwards, and uh, oh. <laughs> one guy definitely spewed like half the can that he had just drunk in a fine mist into the air in the direction of the audience. So now, uh, Stephen, did you go to the finals uh, for the balls? The, all contest? the final presentations and so. Oh well, no, the, it, it was the uh, the big event they had Saturday night. No, I, I did the finals. We drove back of, Saturday uh, afternoon, so I, I missed okay, that. Okay, yeah, yeah. They, they did the finals of like the Quake Live, and they drew f- for the truck and whatnot. Uh-huh. Um, they had the finals of the ball shrugging contest there too. Uh, the difference was everyone had to drink two cans of ball. Oh my god, uh, that's so <laughs> bad. Yeah, that, uh, a couple guys, a couple guys made it, but it looked a little bit iffy. <laughs> and one guy just no, he he spewed pretty early. Oh <laughs> wow, didn't make it. But, yeah. Well, well, um, I, and kind of a neat story actually about the um, the rage truck that they were you know the, they had the raffle for. Um, they gave that away at that final presentation and it that that they built it up as proof of karma and that if you do good things good things will happen to you the guy who won the truck got his raffle ticket um by winning it for three hundred dollars in the charity auction for child's play oh wow Um, so that 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 was just kind of a cool thing that that he won uh, after being that generous huh cool Oh man! Almost, so so it sounds so nice. It was almost sounds rigged. I don't think it was, but uh, you know, yeah, yeah. that's the sort of thing like you would write. <laughs> yeah, there were there were a lot of moments that <laughs> felt that felt scripted, but were totally spontaneous. Um, yeah, it just I'll probably do a write up on it too, just kind of talking about all this different stuff. But um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, well, I wish we could talk forever, y'all, but uh, we actually have gone longer than Bad Philosophy usually goes, and it's it's great. I'm glad we had so much to talk about. Um, thank y'all for joining. Uh, first, Tim, I, I hope this wasn't too crazy of an experience for you the first time. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, it was great. We've, we've popped your Bad Philosophy cherry, as it were. Um, oh, that's gross. You're, you're, no. <laughs> Actually, yeah. <laughs> I guess. But um, I hope it would not turn you off to, to, you know, maybe come back on the show at some point in the future. Hopefully not a year from now, you know. Um, <laughs> but you're definitely welcome. Um, oh, thank you. If you would have me, I will be here. <laughs> we will always have you, Tim. Uh, so where can folks <laughs> find you on the interwebs? Uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Mockinoff. Yeah. M-O-C-K-E-N-O-F-F. And I don't know. And uh, what was that? that uh, what was the website you write for one more time? Uh, platformnation.com. Cool. We'll, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, cool. Britton, where can people, uh, where can people find you on the interwebs? Um, BrittonPeel.com is where it links to everything. I'm kind of everywhere right now. <laughs> I've, anywhere I can get my dirty hands on, like I'll, I'm going to grab it and run with it. So you're probably uh, on Scoville, aren't you? Oh, all, all over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have, to, I'll have to clean my profile again. <laughs> but uh, cool. Well, thank you for, for being on the show as well. Um, and uh, you, you as Absolutely. well are welcome Blast. back anytime. Uh, Kevin, uh, you know, it's Kevin. <laughs> you know where to find him. <laughs> I'll be in Austin yeah. in a day. Yeah. Twitter.com slash Kevsons. Uh, we're actually going to try to do uh, episodes 
with with Kevin live from now on, uh, like find an actual place to do the episode. It'll be much more possible. Much more possible. Can't guarantee that it will be high quality or even quality or of any quality of any sort, but... We will try to make that. When have we ever done that before? Yeah, I know. Um, I'm just just saying, just in case people were wondering, you know, we're we're going to be consistently bad. The the bad will will stay in bad philosophy. Um, well, uh, thank you all for for joining us and uh, and for listening to the show. Uh, we will see you next time on Bad Philosophy. I know this world is hard for you, and fools try to put you down, but you just keep on eating that popcorn. Cause you will always be the hamster On a piano It's gonna be an awfully one-sided show (laughs) All of us talking and then Kevin in the background going Hello (laughs) Just occasionally interjecting With the ball in the middle You're wrong (laughs) Actually, I mean I can hear other things I can play a video and Mm -hmm. it makes noise Okay, that's awesome, great So it seems like a Skype issue Wow, I don't know. This is okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome and one to Kevin talking and browsing the internet. Occasionally humming. Occasionally, yeah. There you are. <laughs> Typing. I oh, hey. Okay, for some reason, sorry. I couldn't before. We were uh, we were doing commentary on your uh, on your talking. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something you would do. Yep, yep. We figured you know the show would be about the same, just like with all of us ranting, and then you occasionally just saying like you're wrong. <laughs> like I disagree with that. Here's why. <laughs> you're just talking about something completely. Are different. you saying I can be implied replaced? With a soundboard, is that what you're saying, Stephen? That's exactly what I'm saying, Jamie. Badphilosophy.com. This is gold.